This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Wednesday, March 8th. Here's the weather forecast for today. A mixture of sun and cloud, a little breezy, nothing major, a high of plus three degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, police investigating school threats that were made in Mississauga and Brampton. Number two, Ontario's medical officer of health says we're not ready for the next pandemic. Number three, parents are divided at a school where an alleged racist incident took place. Number four, more candidates begin their throat clearing for the Toronto mayoral race. And number five, your phone may start going off with even more alerts. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Hey, happy Wednesday, if there is such a thing. I will buck the uh, tradition declaring this to be hump day. Uh, But here we are. Yes, Wednesday, halfway through the week, and the time is just coming up to 5.08. It is March 8th, International Women's Day. And I always have to think, when you consider that we set aside whole months to pay tribute to, um, you know, African uh, or black people and a whole month to do Pride and Women Get One Day, congratulations. You actually are the majority. Uh, a little-known aspect is uh, owing to the fact that, frankly, more women are born than men, and women live longer than men. Women are overwhelmingly the majority of the population. You get one day. So, make the most of it. Uh, some of the stories we're talking about this morning, you know, this is one of those uh, stories where it's it's frustrating because it's probably nonsense, but you cannot ignore it. Peel police investigating after a number of high schools in Mississauga and Brampton were threatened with shootings online. And these days, it is so easy to create a scare. I mean, honestly, back in the day, you at the very least had to figure out how to mask yourself if you were phoning in a phone threat. Um, There used to be people who would send in fake fire alarms. I, I wonder, are there any of those boxes still anywhere in North America. Certainly in Montreal, there used to be on street corners, you know, there would be an alarm. If there was a fire, you could pull it and the fire department would be alerted. And I will never forget that there was at the fire house closest to our home, um, a firefighter who fell off the back of a truck and hit his head and died because of a false alarm that was pulled around the corner from from our house. Um, so yeah, it's pretty easy these days, thanks to technology, digital aspects and all of that, to create a scare. But you gotta take these things seriously, right? Because, uh, I mean, crap happens. So schools that have received the threat are Holy Name of Mary Secondary School, Louise Arbor Secondary School, St. Thomas Aquinas Secondary School, Notre Dame Secondary School, Jacuzzi Secondary School, Ascension of Our Lord Secondary School. Police say they're taking the threat seriously, working with Dufferin, Peel Catholic District School Board, and Peel District School Board officials in order to come up with safety plans and strategies. I can't imagine what it has to be like to be Uh, a kid or a parent waking up today who is associated with any of those schools 
and think, okay, um, it's probably garbage, but w- what are we going to do? So uh, we'll continue to cover that story through the day. Uh, something that's expected, well, no, it's not expected to happen today. It will happen today. Uh, they'll make an announcement about the uh, central bank rate, but what is expected is that they will announce we are not increasing the central bank rate in Canada. Um, key overnight rate has increased eight straight cycles. And the thinking is that it's having an impact. We've, you know, what a weird economy we're living in right now. I was talking with an economist about this yesterday. And yes, I have conversations with economists. I know that sounds, it's almost as exciting as saying that I was talking to my accountant yesterday. Although I like my accountant, she's very nice. Um, But we live in an economy where, you know, the dashboard just doesn't make any sense. You know, it says you're going 50 kilometers an hour, but you're actually slowing down while speeding up. It's insane. And so when it comes to the Canadian economy, we have one of the lowest job uh, or unemployment rates that we have had in decades. But then we have food inflation, and we're going to talk about food inflation today um, because the hearings are beginning in Ottawa where the uh, CEOs of grocery stores have been summoned. Actually... The one bit of homework I should be giving you, Joe Cristiano, is uh, who's going? Um, Is, uh, you know, are the CEOs going to present themselves for the hearings today or is this going to be like Ferris Bueller's day off? I mean, it's my understanding that they're being dragged in front of Parliament today. Yeah, but they could easily just say, screw it, we're not coming. You know, and they could send a little grocery basket and say, we're we're not going to be testifying. Can Parliament just compel them to show up, send the RCMP? I don't know what their, come, I don't know what their powers us. are. I, I know that they have been um, summoned. Like, it's not just an invitation. They have been summoned, but I'm sure they could fail to appear if they wanted to. Because I read in the Google story where Parliament's compelling the Google executives who don't reside in Canada and the article... They ain't coming. Yeah, but the article I read said if they land in Canada, they can be picked up immediately by, right. you know, whatever government official and dragged yeah, to Ottawa. What six-figure executive in San Francisco is going to be landing in Canada? I guess they're not coming north. They're not coming. Um, for executives from Google and Alphabet have been summoned. This is obviously another inquiry altogether. And um, three of them don't even live in Canada and have no intention of appearing. Anyway, this is great. Uh, A developing story. We will continue to follow through the day. Um, But yeah, back to the, you know, the word I want to use, but apparently, you know, I'm going to be called up on a Canadian Association of Broadcasters violation if I do use it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, There's a certain degree of schizophrenia to the Canadian economy. The numbers don't necessarily match up because people are very anxious. They feel pinched. We have a declining real estate market, which is actually, you know, you could frame it differently and say it's great news for, you know, a young couple in their 20s who want to buy their first home. So, you know, it's not necessarily um, a calamity that real estate prices are coming down. Um, but there is the, and, and then we have low unemployment and, uh, wages are up. It's a, it's a worker's market right now. Workers can kind of call the tune to the point where 
corporations were ordering people back to the workplace and workers said, I don't think so. And now corporations are like, oh, okay, how can we make this work? All right, time to say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, happy hump day. We made it to the middle of the week. Uh, let's begin with this now. Uh, police are investigating some online shooting threats made to schools, high schools in Mississauga and Brampton. I believe six schools are targeted and uh, there's a threat that this could happen on Friday. These are probably nonsense threats, but you got you got to take everything seriously these days. And you're absolutely right. And the names of the schools, if anybody's taking notes, holy name of Mary Secondary School, Louise Arbor Secondary School, St. Thomas Aquinas, Notre Dame Secondary School, Jacuzzi and Ascension of Our Lord. And as you know, as I mentioned, police say they have to take these things seriously. Used to be back in the day, you know, you had to make a, a call and uh, most people were not sophisticated enough to decide guys their phone number so some kid who was trying to make a threat against a school would inevitably be caught mm -hmm. these days with digital technology you can mask yourself so you know what do you do you get a threat like this you got to take it seriously and I really feel for the parents and for the kids and the staff at these schools yeah absolutely a very worrying situation all right and today's the day economists are predicting uh, that Tiff Macklin will hold the interest rate but it is coming today and we'll have to see what happens We've had eight straight cycles where they have increased the central bank rate. It's gone from 0.25 to 4.5. But you're right. Today, it looks like they will hold the fort. And that's mostly because if you look at the telemetry in the economy right now, it's hard to understand exactly where we are going. It looks like pushing the brakes has worked and that things are beginning to slow down. Inflation is coming down. But at the same time, uh, you know, wages are up. It's a worker's market. So it's, it's a complicated affair for economists, and that's why they call it the dismal science. <laughs> yes, yeah, something that I am definitely uh, not great at. Okay, and turning to this, uh, John, <laughs> <laughs> the race for the mayoral race is getting a little more crowded now. A ward to Etobicoke Center Councillor Stephen Holliday uh, now says that he's considering a run for mayor. Stephen Holliday was not a name that was on a lot of people's lists. He's the son of a former mayor of a pre-amalgamation city and a Toronto city councillor and a former Toronto deputy mayor. But Stephen Holliday says he's thinking of running. That would come as some comfort to the more conservative people in Toronto because he is a conservative. And then Josh Matlow uh, has been flirting with running for the longest time. I have to say I go back and forth with him via text and I find him to be the most opaque individual <laughs> when mm. it comes to whether or not he's running I think he is yeah okay we'll have to see what happens there as well but uh, this one now there are no uh, sticks involved John but a st. Thomas man has pleaded guilty to throwing stones at uh, Prime Minister Trudeau yeah this was a ridiculous affair a guy named Shane Marshall 26 notably a People's Party of Candidate Riding Association president uh, he grabbed a handful of gravel threw it at Justin Trudeau he was up on charges and he was demanding and his lawyers were insisting that Justin Trudeau had to testify and ultimately uh, they ruled that out so listen he's been found guilty it's not that big of an affair but it's an example of sort of the toxic nature of politics in North America these days where you're the Prime Minister of Canada and somebody's throwing pebbles at you. Mm -hmm. And I remember that uh, Christian Freeland was was kind of harassed uh, during some of her visits as well. So not, mm -hmm. definitely not an easy time to be a politician. Uh, and finally, this now, uh, this is something that could be happening in Hamilton or maybe more. But there is a potential bill to expand amber alerts for vulnerable populations, specifically perhaps people with dementia. 
This is based on the case of a woman with early Alzheimer's who went missing and was found dead a few days later in Hamilton. And an MPP is now calling for us to expand Amber Alerts. Now, I think this is one of those eminently debatable things. It's certainly great on talk radio and probably for you folks as well at CP24. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, whenever the Amber Alert goes off, people complain about it. And yet we're talking about the interests and the safety of children. But now the idea is to try to expand the program so that it would have apply to vulnerable adults as well. So your phone could be going off an awful lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard a report on CTV News that some indigenous communities are also calling for amber alerts Mm -hmm. for for their women. So uh, definitely uh, some room for expansion. We'll have to see what they do about that. News Talk 1010's John Moore, always great chatting with you. Have a good Wednesday and we'll see you tomorrow. That's Jennifer Sheng, our friend over at CP24. And yeah, I think the idea of expanding the Amber Alert is just one of those things that's going to be a great talk radio topic today. I'm sure you want to weigh in on it. And I'm trying to be charitable in all of this because I know it's in the public interest. A child goes missing, a senior citizen goes wandering, a an indigenous person is is missing. So let's all collectively come together as a community and try to locate these people. But At the same time, I have to think if you were listening to that segment just seconds ago and they were playing that signal in the background that you get when your phone goes off in the middle of the night and it starts trying to wake you up, um, you may not be all that interested in being on board for this level of community service. And when it comes to Amber Alerts, I mean, I appreciate if you go wide, if you broadcast and you say, hey, everybody in the province of Ontario, there is a child from you know, Ottawa, whose father picked them up from school today, but doesn't have custody and now they're missing, then I guess you want to be part of that collective effort to try to rescue that child and save them from danger. But I've also had the thought on many an occasion when I've woken up at, you know, 1230 in the night, I'm asleep in downtown Toronto and I can do nothing to help this affair. So why are you coming after me? Uh, so like I said, it's because it, I know I'm probably now going to get all kinds of texts from people saying, you're the most insensitive, horrible man I've ever known. And actually, you could have sent that yesterday. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe you're absolutely right. That's why it's a great talk radio topic. I find the, I mean, I hope you do too, <laughs> the, the race for the Toronto mayoralty interesting because nobody expected it to be happening. I mean, this is like somebody declaring the Olympics out of the blue. Say, hey, everybody, onto the field, start throwing the discus and running the race. And in this case, there were people, for example, I think most people assumed Josh Matlow was going to run for mayor when John Tory was done with his third mandate. Well, Josh Matlow now has to figure out whether or not he can run for mayor if there's game in it three and a half years earlier than that. And then this morning we learned that Stephen Holliday is possibly in the race. I have to say my threshold for I'm thinking about it is reaching an end. So Anna Bailau and Josh Matlow and Stephen Holliday and Brad Bradford. Um, and then, you know, I don't know if the former chief of police, Mark Saunders, really wants to run for mayor or if there's just a cabal of people who would like him to do so. There's there's always these brain trusts of people in Toronto 
who decide who they think the candidate should be. And I suspect that that is the case with Mark Saunders. Anyway, all you people, uh, get in or get out. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.37 on a Wednesday morning. And happy International Women's Day to all who celebrate. I'd imagine that's everybody, except perhaps, you know, in Iraq, Iran, um, a few other places where women don't fare all that well. So, a report from Ontario's Chief Medical Officer of Health. It's an annual report, so, you know, you can take it for what it is. He's got, this is like homework. He's got to prepare this report on an annual basis and submit it. But Dr. Karen Moore says that we were largely unprepared for the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, I'm kind of mixed on that file. Um, For example, post-SARS, we went out and uh, as governments and we purchased a whole ton of protective wear from masks to gloves and all kinds of other things. And then what happened? We didn't get a pandemic and everything reached its best best before date. Although how a mask expires, I'm not so sure. And so we destroyed it. And then we did not stockpile that kind of stuff. And then the pandemic hit out of nowhere. I mean, I, I really would defy anybody to, aside from, hey, we're like, it's been 100 years since um, the, the great flu epidemic of 1918, 1919. Uh, maybe we should be ready for another one. Aside from those people, which is kind of like when economists say, mm, there's going to be a recession. Um, I would defy anybody to say that they could have predicted it. And so the idea that we could have been stockpiling that kind of stuff, that we could have prepared for surge capacity in hospitals, which would have been extraordinarily expensive. Um, I just don't see it. Everybody, once something terrible has happened, everybody says that they had a plan ahead of it. And I'm not necessarily buying. And whenever anybody says that we need to prepare for the next pandemic, I think just kill me before it happens, please. I really really don't want to have to live through that mess again. Um, But he writes in the report, Kieran Moore, history tells us that once an event like SARS, H1N1, or COVID-19 passes, complacency often sets in. Funding is redirected and readiness wanes. Yet the risk of serious disease outbreaks and another pandemic is real and growing. Population growth, land use practices, climate change, the growing international wildlife trade, and global travel are making it more likely. And yes, you know what? I'm I'm sure the science of that is completely sound, but it's also I sort of file it away You know, not that we should. If there's any way we can prevent another pandemic, let's do it. But I also put this into the same file folder as doctors who say nobody should ever drink. Everybody must absolutely get eight hours of sleep a night. Um, We should drive at slower than 30 kilometers an hour. Uh, Doctors are full of great advice, but it's not always the most practical thing. Am I am I venturing into controversial territory, Nick Mayrano? Well, I often have a conversation with my doctor because he claims that I'm just a bit overweight. And I said, well, the problem is not my weight. It's my height. I should be seven foot two. There you go. 
And that's the thing. You know, doctors are full of great advice, but, you know, you can't. Who was that guy that we, we talked about this guy a, a few weeks ago who is on a uh, he's on a mission to young himself down, I guess is the only way we could say it. And he insists that it's it's been working well. He's got like the liver of a 28-year-old, even though he's in his 40s. He's got a fantastic heart. His lungs are in great shape. That's fantastic. But he gets colonoscopies all the time. And, and, and he doesn't drink and he's a vegan and he exercises like five times a day. I'm, you know, I, there's no way you can necessarily make the bargain like nobody's ever going to push a piece of paper across a table to you and say, you're going to die five years early because you like whiskey. But I think, you know, most people are, are sort of making that bargain. Uh, interesting piece by Matt Elliott in the Toronto Star. And we tried to track Matt down to talk about this. Uh, Joe, is he like completely off the table uh, or seem, we still? It seems that way. He okay. said he He's got to take, take his, his kids to kindergarten or something like yeah. that. Okay, well, you know, good on him. Um, so that's fine. We'll just have to deal with the print version of what Matt is uh, bringing to the table. But it's about the issuing of parking tickets in the city of Toronto. Uh, 1.8 million parking tickets were issued in Toronto in 2022. That sounds like a lot, but it's actually down from previous years. And we're leaving a lot of money on the table. And he's asking the sort of philosophical question, are we neglecting to enforce parking while still being out there, you know, issuing tickets to people who cross against red lights and uh, cyclists who blow through a stop sign? He says a report to last week's meeting of Toronto's police services board revealed that the cops and the city's bylaw enforcement officers combined to issue a projected 1.8 million parking tickets in 2022. That is up 23 percent over 2021 which was a year with a lot of pandemic restrictions. But it remains way down from 2.2 million tickets handed out during the last full pre-pandemic year of 2019. And we're talking millions of dollars in revenue that could be generated. And you know what? When it comes to parking, I'm a, I'm a bit of a hard ass. I just think I wish there was actually a way that citizens could capture a license plate and a, and a parking violation and just ship it to the city and that person would automatically get a ticket. They have that in New York City. Do they really? Okay. How do they verify it, though? That's the thing. I mean, if... Okay, so, for example, back in the day, now you can park on Young Street in my neighborhood. Back in the day, you couldn't. And if you did, you were blocking a live lane of traffic. And if somebody parked and ran into the dry cleaners, then, you know, how would you document the fact that they were illegally parked? I'm, I'm not absolutely sure. Um, but then I also always remember um, on St. Clair, after 4 p.m., you have to clear out all of the lanes of parking in order to clear them for live lanes of traffic. And it was like 4.15, and a city meter reader or whatever the heck, a parking enforcement officer was writing a ticket, and the guy said, I'm here. And the officer said, so am I. <laughs> Um, the guy who threw gravel at Justin Trudeau has pleaded guilty. I don't know how much time we have to spend on this story. I mean, I just think it was, I guess one of the things that bothers me about it is that there are some people who think it's perfectly acceptable to throw gravel at the prime minister, and that's because they hate the prime minister. But let's just all agree, can we, that 
throwing gravel at anybody is a bad idea and throwing gravel at a politician who you have the ability to defeat in an election is unacceptable. And so uh, Shane Marshall, age 26, from St. Thomas, was a People's Party of Canada Riding Association president, which I think informs people because um, people on the hard right, and particularly in Maxime Bernier's party, have this strange delusion that the prime minister is illegitimate. You may not like him, but he's been elected, and he's been elected three times. So you, you got to lump it. And if you don't like it, then start knocking on doors. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. If you joined us in progress, then some of those five things you need to know are stories where you're saying, whoa, okay, I need to know way more about this. One of them would certainly be about the uh, threats at schools. And I try to keep this in context because in all likelihood, it's completely, it's it's just complete nonsense. Um, you know, it's to call it mischief, I guess, is to kind of underestimate uh, the impact of it. But in all likelihood, this is just some stupid kid who's been finding a means of disguising themselves and sending in some kind of a threat against one school or another. I'm just going through my pack here. There it is. Um, I mean, I guess it's important. I, I hate to frighten people, but at the same time, I think if you're a parent, you probably want to know, okay, so who's threatening what schools? Uh, Holy Name of Mary, Louise Arbor, St. Thomas Aquinas, Notre Dame, Secondary School, Chacuzzi, and Ascension of Our Lord, Secondary School. And so police continue their investigations. I imagine there'll probably be a police presence. I'd also imagine some parents may just say, screw it, you know, kids can stay home today. Um, but, you know, it, on the flip side of all of this, if you, you know, if something were to happen at one of these schools, if some kid were to come in with a gun, for example, and then people would say, well, we had an email two weeks ago saying that this was going to happen. Then everybody would say, why didn't you do anything about it? So we, we have no choice. We have to be in a ready posture. Uh, Councillor Stephen Holliday says he's considering running for mayor of Toronto. Okay, well, get back to me when you make up your mind. Uh, then we have, uh, let's see, Mitzi Hunter who is uh, a liberal MPP, is thinking of it. She said she's not going to run for the leadership of the Liberal Party, but she may run for mayor of Toronto. Uh, Butila Karposh, uh, urbanist Gil Penelosa, is running. Uh, policy analyst Chloe Brown, and apologies to Chloe Brown, I don't know who you are. Um, Brad Bradford, I think, is actually running. I mean, Brad Bradford came out like 10 days ago with a list of 20 heavy hitters saying they were all part of some sort of a consultative committee. And I would actually be fairly enthusiastic about Brad Bradford running for mayor of Toronto. Anna Balau. Okay. Anna Balau came in studio last week to make her pitch. I find her to be compelling because she is a, a centrist. Um, she has experience as a Toronto city councillor. But I also found a certain hesitancy in our conversation that I thought, you know, you kind of expect a candidate for mayor to be hyper-caffeinated. And, you know, maybe it's 
actually the kind of personality disposition that you want in a mayor is somebody who thinks about everything before they say something out loud. But I, you know, I, I found her very, very interesting to meet. Not sure if she's the next mayor of Toronto. And then there's Mark Saunders. And, you know, Mark Saunders, I, I never thought that Mark Saunders wanted to be the mayor of Toronto. I think there's a group of people who would like him to be the mayor of Toronto. So, um, this is, you know, I haven't checked out the text board. Joe, uh, Joe Cristiano, you can check out the text board and see if anybody's weighed in on this. Um, but there's a Hamilton MPP who is going to join us this morning, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, make the pitch for another kind of Amber Alert. And I hate to be, I don't even know what, to, you know, it's not a Grinch necessarily. I just... I, I know already there is a lot of there are a lot of people who don't even like being alerted on their cell phones and on radio to you know kids being missing and I think okay let's have a degree of collective responsibility if we can be on the lookout for a kid who was abducted by somebody let's join in but in the last couple of weeks people have been piling on with all kinds of other kinds of amber alerts and they're all very high-minded and uh, well-intentioned but the latest is for adults who go wandering because they have dementia and then two weeks ago somebody was pitching anytime that an indigenous woman goes missing we should get an alarm and again it's not that we're indifferent to these things it's is this actually helpful does it meet the threshold of disturbing people. And again, I get it. And Joe, you can be on the lookout for the text messages that come in and say I'm a horribly insensitive. Oh, no, they're man. here already, but oh, no one's calling you insensitive. No? Okay. No, so one person completely agrees and says you should be able to quiet the notifications while sleeping. And another says that this person is a public transit operator and says, do you know how many times a day we get alerted to a dementia patient running wild? Amber Alert would be going off constantly. Yeah. So it's not that we are indifferent to these situations. It's do we necessarily have to alert 16 million Ontarians about this every time it happens? That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.